Hallelujah. The waves and winds still know his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to just welcome our guests that are here with us this morning. Uh, if you see somebody new this morning, give them a hug or handshake. Let them know we appreciate them being here. I also want to invite everyone. We have a fellowship dinner today after service. Please stay in fellowship with us. Uh, you know, we always say this that, you know, I, I can always say this, I should say. I can do without a meal if there's not enough help yourself. Uh, <laughs> I've got more at home. Uh, but anyway, I just want to invite you to come and fellowship with us, please. Uh, we just want to get to know you better and uh, learn more about you. Uh, I kind of introduced Ken and Connie earlier, but uh, the name of their ministry is Fully Persuaded Ministries. And when you hear him preach, you'll realize that he's fully persuaded <laughs> in what he believes. And, and that's what we should be, too. We should be fully persuaded of whom we serve and why we are serving him and what our purpose is. So uh, I think we'll just have Brother Ken come on up. Hallelujah. Well, are you saying amen or oh me? You know, it's our choice, right? Hallelujah. Uh, Before I get started today, where is that precious man that has the spouse at home that's not feeling well? Sir, um, would you allow me to read you a couple of verses in the the Word? And uh, if you feel comfortable with me laying my hands on you, I'd like to do that if you would allow me to. You're here. I thought you was at home. I'm sorry. Huh? You're here. All right. Would you allow me to do that? Let me, uh, let me read you something first. I have learned over the years that when we pray without basing our prayer on the Word of God, our results sometimes are not what we would rather them be. So let's find something here. And uh, <clears throat> it's found in Mark 16. And uh, when you and your husband go home, if you'll open your Bibles to that and read on it and meditate on this, I think it will help you, honey. Now, Jesus has just been raised from the dead at this time, and he's just revealed himself to the people that are in this, pl- in this place they were. And here's what he said to them. He said, These signs shall follow them that believe. So we see here that we, there's two dynamics. Number one is a dynamic of a sign. We all need signs from God. You know, many people give up when they don't get a sign from God. Uh, I get lost when I'm traveling if I don't have a sign. Amen? Amen. And we all need God to manifest himself to us. So that our relationship with him will not just be one-sided. We all want God to become interactive in our lives in a mighty way, don't we? And we all know that God desires to do that, right? But here's the key to it all. There are certain signs that should be in existence in the life of one who believes. And I'm going to ask you an obvious question. I know you believe, don't you? If I tried to talk you out of your salvation, I couldn't do it, could I? Because you know, right? Well, let me ask you this. 
if salvation is received that way to where you're so sure that you know that you're one and where you are going to reside eternally, can't we do that to healing? Amen? You know, a lot of people say, well, I believe he'll save, but I'm not sure he'll heal. Well, then how do we know he really saved? How do we know what he will do and what he won't do? If he'll only save and not heal, are we really sure that he'll save? Well, I got a holy hush. Let me go say that on this side. Is that all right? (laughs) If we're not sure that he'll heal, how can we be sure that he'll save? All right, let's get back to the matter at hand. So we see here that the key to this is believing. In other words, I like this, when we believe, they follow us. In other words, we don't have to do anything but believe, and they show up. Now, I was in Brookings, South Dakota, uh, in a minister's conference. While I was there... I did the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday morning, and Monday night. And on Tuesday, a couple sitting over to my right <clears throat> walked up to me and said, they were crying. And they said, uh, Brother Cowan, we owe you an apology. And I said, well, for what? I, I don't even know you people. They said, well, we've been talking bad about you in the meeting. I said, well, join the crowd. <clears throat> I've been talked bad about by experts. You understand, right? I said, what were you talking about? They said, well, we've listened to you now four times preach, and you make it so simple to receive from God, and we know it cannot be that simple. Isn't it amazing how hard we make it? Isn't it amazing? It's kind of like that commercial about the car insurance when these two ladies are in a shop where there were purses, and I never let my wife go to those shops. <clears throat> and they were there, and they were looking at this purse. And this one lady called her insurance company. And the insurance company said, yes, you saved enough money, you can buy that purse. Have y'all ever seen that commercial? Yeah. And then <clears throat> the other one called hers, and uh, it didn't work that way. An older man with a fishing pole with a dollar bill on the hook. <clears throat> right? <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. <clears throat> I got something in my throat. Uh, on a hook, and he would dangle it in front of her. She would reach out to grab it, and he would jerk it back, go, ah, got to be a little faster than that. Isn't it amazing how many people think that's how God answers prayer? He puts your healing or whatever you desire on a hook. He dangles it, and every time you reach for it, ah, you got to be a little faster than that. Isn't it amazing how God would not have promised in his word if he did not want you to have it? And so here's how simple it is. You just believe. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situation, no matter how bad your pain is, you just know that God, you promised that Jesus took my infirmities and he bore my sicknesses. He took the stripes on his back for my healing. And with those stripes, we are. That's present tense. Thank you, sir. That's present tense. So then, 
Let me read this to you, darling. This is good news. This is what they call the gospel. Look at this. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Here we are. Here's where we're going to. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I don't know if y'all feel the Holy Ghost or not, but I just got a goosebump right there. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, faith people don't go by their feelings, but we don't run the good ones off either. <laughs> so he said this, that if you and I, well, everybody here with us, but if you're a believer, these signs will follow you. I'm a believer. They should follow me. Everybody in this church, I would say, is a believer. It's called Faith Church. <laughs> you know, that should be on your, you need to have a faith passport to get in, right? <laughs> but if we're believers, then when I lay my hands, if you feel comfortable with me laying my hands on you, then here's what should happen. You should recover. Amen. Amen. Now, I know that sounds simple, but I know you believe. I perceive that you have faith to believe. And I know that the word is true. So when I lay my hands on you, these signs should follow. And you should recover. I heard another pastor say it this way. When I lay my hands upon you, you immediately go to the recovery room. Is that good? Well, you come here, honey. <clears throat> if you would. Husband, if you'd like to come too. You're one. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody here, can you believe with me? Can you hook up with us? Say this with me. I am a believer. God's word is true, and he will watch over it to perform it. Heavenly Father, we come to you today been believing. We come to you today with hearts full of faith. Your word promises us that there are signs that should follow those that believe. And one of those signs, Father, is if we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. One other thing I want to remind you, Father, is this is a daughter of Abraham. She is a covenant woman. She has a right to whatever your word says because she is blessed with faithful Abraham. So now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I lay my hands upon her. And I believe your word will come to pass, and she shall recover. Sickness, go in Jesus' name. Disease, go in Jesus' name. Symptoms, go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Release her and let her go now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can I get you to do me a favor? From now on, this should come out of your mouth. I shall recover. I shall recover. We don't know when, but we know we shall recover. You are now in the recovery room, honey. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yes, you can. Praise the Lord. Thank you, sir. Bless you, sir. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I just wanted to get that. I just felt impressed when we were, when we were, um, Talking about things that we needed from the Lord, I just felt impressed to do that. If you, will, I thank you for indulging me for that. Amen. Oh. This is my wife, Connie. Stand up for me, darling. 
this is my precious wife, Connie. We've been together for 34 years, and we have, uh, we have traveled all over the country, and she takes good care of me, and she takes care of things behind the scene when I, when I was Would you hand me my little black thing? She, when I was there. About 15 or 16 years ago, I happened to be in, thank you, daughter. I happened to be in Pullman, Washington, <clears throat> at a regional meeting for the Full Gospel Fellowship. And in that meeting, there was a gentleman by the name of Pastor Howard Leonard. <clears throat> and I was, I was blessed to uh, meet Pastor Howard and Sister Mary. And in that, a relationship developed that has been very, very uh, precious and priceless to me. And uh, Pastor Howard would al allow me to come here and preach, and we would come. And then when Pastor uh, stepped down and appointed uh, Pastor Lee, uh, Pastor Lee was gracious to me, and he has allowed me to come uh, all these years. And we always count this a privilege and an honor to be at Faith Church. And in this, we have learned, we have met and got to know many precious people in this church, and we hold all those friendships very dear to us. And we're happy to be here, and our desire today is to say something that will encourage you. Is there anybody in the house that needs just a little bit of encouragement? <laughs> Amen. Or is there anybody here living a, a perfect life? <laughs> if you are, would you come see me after the service and lay your hands on me? I, I need help. Amen. So we love Pastor Lee and Darla and and uh, Connie and Nick and all the kids and their grandkids and Ryan and we're just happy to know them and happy to be here today. I uh, wanted to uh, talk to you today. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. And... Uh, one of the things that uh, I worked with my father in uh, Kentucky as his associate pastor for some years, and over, over the years, you know, if you do something long enough, you kind of stumble on an acre every now and then, and you learn a few things. One of the things I've learned is I talk to pastors all the time, and they tell me, Brother Ken, I'm, I'm out of preaching material. I don't know what to preach. I just, I just don't know what to preach. And I said, well, do you just, do you talk to your people? And they'll all say, well, yes. I said, well, if you'll listen to them, they'll tell you what you need to preach about. Well, let me say that on this side. If you'll listen to them, they'll tell you what you need to preach about. So we talk all over the United States with people. And one of the, one of the things that I've learned about precious people of God is, number one, they're very fearful. They're very worried. And they're very, in their, in their estimate of how God sees them, they see themselves very lowly and undeserving. You know, you talk to people, and I learned not to ask this question, how are you? Because, dear God, they'll tell you. <laughs> I've learned to say, good to see you, bye-bye. <laughs> but you say, how are you? Here's what they say, better than I deserve. Have you ever heard that come out of somebody's mouth? Listen, after today, don't ever let that come out of your mouth again. 
Because, no, we didn't do anything to deserve this. But Jesus himself made us deserving. And if you're a child of God and you're soaked with the blood of Jesus, you stand in a deserving position. Well, I'm just a miserable wretch. In fact, I was in California and a man came up to me and I, I made this statement. God did not make wretches. Well, this man walked up. You always know when you're in trouble when someone walks up to you after the service with their Bible open and they're tapping. <laughs> I knew I was in trouble. And he walked up to me and he said, I cannot believe that you're so arrogant that you don't believe you're a wretch. He said, because we're all miserable wretches. I said, well, then if that's true, then Jesus is. He said, what do you mean? I said, Jesus came down here and became sin, who knew no sin, so that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. In other words, Jesus came down here and said, I'm going to trade places with you. You can have my place. I'm going to become you so that you can be like me. Is Jesus a wretch? Then are we wretches? In God's eyes, we are not. Now, if I take a running spell here in just a minute, I've just preached myself happy. I don't, I don't know about you, but if I take one, I'll be back, all right? <laughs> Glory to God. Hold your place there, Jeremiah 29, and go to uh, uh, Romans 5 with me. <clears throat> Look in verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Did you see that, precious people? It said death reigned over them, even them who had not sinned after Adam's transgression. You know what that's saying? We didn't do what Adam did. But because of what Adam did... The penalty fell on us because God was not going to change the system. He already had the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the earth. When Adam did what he did, God did not fall off the throne. He did not tell Jesus, I didn't see that one coming. Right? So he said, we didn't sin after the similitude of Adam, but we were in the same mess. It fell on us, right? But God does not whip the wrong kids. Okay. In other words, when you're a parent, here's what I learned becoming a parent. You become an investigator. <laughs> right? You have to investigate because you want to find out who the culprit was. Because you did not want to punish the wrong kid. Right? So you investigated. I'm a good investigator. So God didn't want to punish the, the wrong kids. So what did he do? He said, I'm going to, okay, hold on just a minute. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Are you doing all right out there? All right. <clears throat> Look in verse 19. Now, I don't know if you shout in this church, but I'm telling you right now, we're entering shouting ground. 
Look right here in the 19th verse. To wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Woo, somebody ought to go, glory. Amen. In other words, God said, I am going to be in Christ. In other words, I'm going to take on a physical body. His name will be Jesus. And I'm going to be in Christ. And my goal is to get the world back. <laughs> Everything I lost in the garden, I'm going to get it back. The position that Adam had with me in the garden, I'm going to put man back in that position. In a place where I can bless him. In a place where I can fellowship with him. In a place where I can commune with him and have an active relationship with him. I am going to be in Christ reconciling it back to me. Glory to God. Honey, you ain't no wretch. Let me tell you this. That means you're not unworthy. I come up to people come to me all the time. They'll come up and say, I've got sickness in my body. I said, do you believe when I lay my hands upon you that God will heal you? I'm just, not, I don't know. I'm not worthy. I'm just so unworthy. I'm just so unworthy. Honey, you didn't do what Adam did. You never were unworthy. Oh, I'm getting a holy hush. Yeah, am I killing a sacred cow here? Sometimes the blood runs knee deep. You never were a wretch. You never were. You never were unworthy. How could you be unworthy if God went to all the trouble to get you back? Right. Amen. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews 4, verse 16. I got to watch the time. If I don't watch it, she'll be giving me a... She's my cutter offer. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore, now when you study your Bible and you see the word therefore, stop and see what it's there for. Yeah. Amen. Let us therefore come how? How? Not unworthy. <clears throat> if you're unworthy, you'll never come boldly. People don't get their prayers answered because they don't believe they're worthy. They don't come boldly. Bold is like I used to approach my father. I had a key. I didn't call him go, uh, would you allow your miserable worm of a son? I know, Dad, I'm unworthy to be here. Would you allow me to come into your abode and maybe get a morsel of bread? Right? No, I had a key to the place. Glory to God. Guess what? You got a key to heaven. Amen. I had a key to the place. I walked in, went to the refrigerator, ate everything was in it. <laughs> Grabbed that remote off his hand, out of his hand. He was watching the weather channel. When you watch it about eight hours, you pretty much know what's going to happen. <laughs> right? You know you're getting old when you watch the weather channel. Yeah. You know you're real old when you drink Metamucil while you watch it.
And I was talking, you know what he would always say before I left? Come back, son, anytime. If he's a good parent, how much better parent is God? What does he tell you? Come anytime, anywhere, for anything. Dear God. Isn't that good? That's too simple. That's just way too simple. Right? So let's go back to Jeremiah. Let's go back to Jeremiah 29. If you're here today and you feel like you're unworthy and that you've done things that you probably cannot be forgiven of, can I just say this very lovingly to you? You're telling me that Jesus' blood is not good enough or powerful enough to cover your sin. Amen? You're saying he can cover every other sin but he can't cover mine. Honey, there's no sin that Jesus can't cover. There's only one unpardonable sin, right? The blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. What is the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost? They accuse Jesus of casting out devils by the spirit of the devil. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when you compare the Holy Ghost The Holy Spirit with Satan. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I remember when I first started in the ministry, uh, there in Bowling Green, Kentucky, our local cable channel offered uh, TV time for ministries. And it was like $20 a show. You could get on 30 minutes three times a week for $60 a week. So I said, you know, I'm going to do that. So I did. And uh, I had a phone call after one program. This man was calling. He was crying uncontrollably. And I said, sir, what is wrong? He said, I'm going to hell, Brother Cowan. I said, why are you going to hell? He said, because I've blasphemed the Holy Ghost. I said, what did you do? He said, I've been talking bad about Benny Hinn. I said, sir, I'm not saying anything about Benny Hinn, but he's not the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Amen. I said, he's a good man. I said, I'm not saying he's got a great ministry. He's blessed a lot of people. But he's not the Holy Ghost. And I said, said, why are you talking bad about him? Well, I don't believe in all that blowing on people. I said, well, just don't go. Let him blow on you. Very simple, right? I said, you're not blasphemy. I I told him, I said, you go over to Matthew 12. And he read it to me. And I said, you see right there, you've not blasphemed the Holy Ghost. So he he was relieved to know he wasn't going to hell. And I told him, I said, if you don't like somebody, just don't talk about them. Just leave them alone. Just don't listen to them. Very simple, right? You got a a remote? Let's get off that. Here we go. So look right here in in, in Jeremiah 29. Let's let's read verse 11. Now this is the Lord speaking to the prophet, saying, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Did you see that? Thoughts of peace and not of evil. You know, I'm amazed at how many people that I talk to across the country that believe God makes them sick. 
I'm amazed at how many people I've talked to across the country that believe that unpleasant situations are, and sickness, disease, are punishment from God. And that God is trying to teach them something. Well, why would he say that when John, speaking by the Holy Spirit, said, For the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Well, then, what, uh, what, uh, what? I looked up that word on, uh, all in the dictionary. You know what it means? All. So if the Holy Ghost teaches you all things, then why does God need sickness to help? And how could a God that has good thoughts about us do something like that to us? I'm getting a holy hush in here. Amen? I mean, he said, these thoughts, I think, not of evil. He said, I don't think evil towards you. I don't look at you as evil. There's not one evil person in here in God's eyes. Thoughts of good, not of evil. Look what he says. Thoughts of peace, and not of evil. To give you what? An expected end. What end are you expecting? Amen? It's our choice. I'm expecting God to be good to me. And I'm expecting God to be good to you. Turn with me into Psalms 46. Psalms 46. You see, if you don't change the way you see yourself, you'll never change the way God sees you. Now, this is where people come up to me all the time and say, man, you're arrogant. I'm not arrogant. I'm just walking as who God says I am. Jesus was the one that died. He was the one that shed his blood. He was the one that, that took my place. He was the one that died for me. But if he did it for me, why don't I enjoy the benefits? All right. Look right here. Hebrew, I mean, uh, Psalm 46, 1. Look here. Are you ready to shout? God is our refuge and our strength. You ever been to a wildlife refuge? You better not mess with any of them animals. Right? Well, if he's our refuge, you know what he's telling the devil? You better not mess with any of my animals. We're all animals. That's what he's telling them. Don't you mess with them. I'm their refuge. <laughs> I protect them. They're mine. Ma'am, they're mine, right? Yes, my children. Glory to God. And I'm their strength. I hear so many people talk about how weak I am, how weak I feel. Brother Ken, I just feel so weak. I'm just so tired. God is our strength. In Joel, it said, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, 
I am rich. Glory to God. Amen. Watch this. A very present help in what? So the first one we need to look for, the first one we need to expect to show up when trouble comes, and honey, trouble will come. It's going to come. We don't know when, but honey, it's coming. But isn't it good to know that he's the first one that we can expect to show up in trouble? Glory to God. He stays around me a lot because I have lots of trouble. Amen? Amen? I do. I have trouble. My life's not perfect. I deal with stuff, right? But he's a very present help. I like that present. That means I'm right there. I'm right in the middle of your business. Amen? Am I doing all right? Am I helping anybody? All right, look with me in Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32. And let's read verse 40. All right, here we go. Now, here's where we get down to business. The Heavenly Father, God Almighty, speaking to the prophet Jeremiah, said, And I will make an everlasting covenant with who? Them. Say this with me. I am a them. Hallelujah. I will make, notice this, this covenant's not going to stop. This covenant, oh, well, let's change that, you know. I didn't think things were going to get this bad, so I'm going to retract that covenant. Uh-uh. He said, I'm going to make an everlasting covenant with them. In other words, I pro- my promises will be everlasting with them and for them. Let's go on. It gets better. He said, that I will not turn away from them to do them what? To do them what? I'm sorry. Stage four cancer is not good. Not being able to make ends meet is not good. Having worry and fear and stress, the burden of the whole world on your shoulders, it's not good. So then if it's not good, it's not God. Amen? He said to do them good. To do them, so what does God want to do us? Good. <laughs> here's what I tell, here's what people come up and I understand why they say it. Brother Ken, I know what you're saying, but my, my, my mama died, my daddy died. I've had relatives to die. I know what the Bible says, but I understand that. I've had relatives to die. But it don't change the word. I'm sorry for my relatives. I, I, relatives I love dearly. But I'm sorry that they, had, that they died. But it doesn't change that said God wants to do them good. He said, to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts. In other words, I will work with them and make the reverent respect. That I need rise up in their hearts. It's not fear of God doing something bad. It's a reverent respect. Worshipful respect. 
I will take care of that. I will make it rise up in their heart, and they will view me differently from this moment forward. Glory to God. And look right here. That they shall not depart from me. Hallelujah. All right, now, would you put Acts 10, 38 up there for me, sir? Acts 10, 38. Will you, give me, will you give me five more minutes? I know that food's down there. Thou shalt not let that food get cold. <laughs> the 11th commandment. If you give me five, I take five. That'll be 10. That'd be all right. Here we go. Watch this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about making people sick. I must have read that wrong. Who went about doing bad. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good. For all you people that's got sickness in your body. Watch this. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Hallelujah. That deserves one praise the Lord. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost who went about doing good. Glory to God. You know what I'm expecting from God? Good. Good things. I'm expecting good things. Well, Brother Ken, what about these people that don't believe in God? Well, God wants to do them good. They just will not allow him to do them good. Amen? He will do good to anybody that will allow him to do them good. This is why, this is why you have people that say things like this out of their mouth. When COVID came, you know what I heard, you know what I had people tell me? Well, Brother Ken, I've got COVID, but God's in control. I said, honey, if God was in control of your life, you'd have never had COVID. Amen? Because he went about doing good. And then I asked, then I've had people come up and talk to me and have uh, a lady came up to me one time, had rheumatoid arthritis, could barely walk. And so I said, honey, do you want me to lay, yes, lay your hands on me, but I want you to know before anything, God's already in control. I said, honey, if God was in control, if he sovereignly had control over you, rheumatoid arthritis would not be in you. And if he's in control, why are you asking me to pray? Because I would be going against God to get him to cast himself out. All right, I know. Wheels are rolling. I know. But really think about it. If God's in control and you're sick, why are you asking God to cast it out. <laughs> the Bible says that if, uh, if Satan casts out Satan, his kingdom is divided. Well, if God would cast out God, his kingdom would be divided, right? 
The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief, speaking of Satan, comes but for, but for, right? In other words, his only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Well, then God would never do anything that Satan would do because they are diametrically opposed. Amen? Amen. Now, let me share this with you. God is sovereign. He is the supreme ruler. But in this covenant that we're dealing with him in, this covenant, he stands ready to control. Look with me in Revelation chapter 1. God will control to the extent and in the places that we allow him to control according to his word. Look right here in Revelation. I know we've been taught things different than this. I know we have. But the Bible doesn't support that. All right, look right here. Let me look. I'm sorry. Chapter 3, verse 20. I was in the right church, just the wrong pew. Chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Did you see that? All right, I got one more scripture and then we're going to go, okay? Watch this. John 14. We, we, we might get back into this next week a little bit. John 14, look at verse 23. Here we go. Jesus answered and said, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Did you see that? There is protocol. God is sovereign. Let me talk to you about sovereign moves. Number one, creation. A sovereign move of God is when God does something without any outside influence, without any outside request. He simply does things because he wants to do it on his own, right? Second, second, the flood. Sovereign move of God. A third one, salvation. Sovereign move of God. He chose us in, in Christ before the foundation of the world. Sovereign move of God. Let me give you one more. The rapture. Sovereign move of God. In other words, he said, Jesus told him, said, I don't know the day. The angels in heaven don't know the day. Only God the Father knows the day. 
when I'm coming back. Sovereign move of God. You remember when I was talking about a covenant a while ago? Covenants are only received by faith. The promises of covenants are only received by faith. Every other move, and now there may be some more sovereign moves. I, I didn't go into that today. I just wanted to give you those four. But every other move of God is predicated upon our faith. It's predicated upon us approaching him with a confidence in his word that we know we're going to receive it. And in response to that faith, God does what he promised he would do. I'm going to close right here. Go to James. Closing number two. Closing is the biggest lie a preacher will ever tell you. Look in, look in James chapter 5. I promise I'm going to close here. Look in verse 16 of chapter James chapter 5. 16, we'll read through 18. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Here we go now. Precious people, faith church, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. Another translation says, it makes much power available with dynamic results. Let's go to let's go to the let's go to seven. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we. In other words, he was just like us, a man. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Did you see that? He prayed earnestly. And God cut the faucet off for three and a half years. Let's go to the next one. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Did you see that? You see, when you ascribe to the theory that God's in total and complete control, there's no faith needed there. Because you're just going to go home and sit down and go, God... You're in control, and when you decide to do this, it'll be done. I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going to wait for you to do it. I've tried that, sir, and it hadn't worked real good for me. Amen? The Bible teaches waiting on the Lord, but that doesn't mean sit on your couch and wait. That means when you wait on the Lord, a waiter at a good waiter at a table. We had a good waiter last night at the table where we had dinner. He was always there, always communicating with us always talking to us, won't know if we needed anything. When you wait on the Lord, you're always in the throne room. You're always telling the Lord, you're a good God. You're a faithful God. You honor your word. I believe that I was healed when I prayed. And I believe right now that your power is in my body. It's working from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And I believe that at some point in time, every sickness, every disease, every symptom must exit my body and be replaced with eternal life and the health of God. And I'll be back tomorrow, and I'm going to tell you the same thing. Amen? And that's when God will absolutely control, and he'll do it in a joyful way. Amen? All right. Hallelujah. Let's stand up. Say this with me, I'm a victor and not a victim.
I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in the city. My God is doing me good every day of my life, and I will have an expected end. And I expect the blessings of God to show up in my life in every area. Hallelujah. Pastor, thank you so much for having me. Again, I just want to invite everyone downstairs to fellowship with us. Let's just go ahead and close. Father, we thank you that you are such a good God. Lord, we just ask that the word that is spoken to our hearts this morning, Lord, would remain. Father, that we would grasp it. And Father, plant that seed deep, Lord, that it might bring forth much fruit. We just, Lord, that you will just uh, show us continually who we are in you, who we are in Christ. Hallelujah, Lord. We are victors. We just praise you for that, Lord. Bless our time together in fellowship. We ask in your name. Amen.